Good morning, everybody. If I can get everybody to come on in and have a seat, we appreciate it. We want to go ahead and get started with our, our morning Bible class. Uh, this morning we are blessed with the, a treat. We have uh, Daniel, Danny, I guess I should call you Danny. <laughs> okay. Danny and Marianne Sitters will be here with us today. Uh, Danny will be handling our uh, Bible class this morning and also uh, doing the sermon this morning. And Danny is a candidate for our position, as we've talked about in the past. So uh, we're certainly happy to have him here and his, he and his wife. But he's also he's got all, all four of his kids here. Uh, let's see if I can go through them here. Uh, we've got uh, Austin. Is Austin? No, no, man. He's in Oklahoma. Oh, okay, 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 I understand, okay. So Danielle's here, okay, okay. The others are not, right? <laughs> okay, all right. But he does have, he has a, a son, Austin, in uh, Oklahoma City? Tulsa, okay. All right, Dan, we and I have to get together. <laughs> and he also has a, a son, Peyton, who's a sophomore at Louisiana Tech in uh, in uh, Louisiana, and Caroline's a junior in high school in Wachita Christian uh, School in, uh, in, Shre- in, not Shreveport, but in Monroe. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Danny's been in the ministry for over 25 years. He and Marianne have been married for 27 years, and he's done quite a bit of work, and he's currently the uh, minister at the Columbia Church of Christ in uh, Columbia, Louisiana. So with that, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to, to Danny. <laughs> Good morning. It is uh, it is a pleasure uh, to be here with you. Um, had an opportunity yesterday to uh, visit with the elders for a couple of hours. They they grilled me pretty hard, but I survived. Actually, they're they're pretty nice men. And uh, then we got a chance to have a meal together with elders and deacons and ministry leaders and uh, all the ones that are uh, actively participating in this congregation in the search committee and. So we had a wonderful time, enjoyed, enjoyed meeting several of you, and uh, looking forward uh, to this day. Um, we are from Louisiana, um, from a little town called Columbia, Louisiana. We actually spend most of our time in the Monroe, West Monroe area. That's northeast Louisiana, on I-20, straight across from Shreveport. Um, so anyway, um, I, I have about 30, 45 minutes for Bible class. Um, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to go through the story, my, our story uh, today during Bible class because we just don't have time. Um, <clears throat> I would like to just um, share a chapter, John chapter four, if you want to take your Bibles and turn over there. Um, on typically how I enjoy doing Bible class. Okay, to me, Bible class is most effective when there's dialogue, give and take, sharing back and forth. And so it is for this class to be a success. It's not on me. It's on you. Okay. I'm just going to put the blame right on you if it doesn't work. But from what I understand, this group enjoys talking and asking and sharing. And so that's what I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do. Okay. Because in the, in the sermon, it's just a monologue. It's just me talking. And um, I get tired of hearing my voice. So I want to hear from, from you today. All right. So John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, 
Um, John, of course, is the is the fourth gospel. Um, John, if you've read through it, um, has a lot of um, stories that are not in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call them the synoptic gospels because synoptic means the same view, the same look. They have a lot of the same stories. Uh, matter of fact, um, scholars have told us for many years that they bounce off of each other. Mark was probably the, the one that was written first, and then Matthew and Luke have Mark as a text that they um, that they use to expand some of the stories from. Well, then here comes John later on, and he's got several new stories that are not found in the Synoptic Gospels, and so John, I say, is is the unique one, and. Um, Went through the study of the Gospel of John down in Columbia about six months ago. Fascinating study. And so I decided let's just pick one chapter and um, let, let's, let's discuss it. Let's go through it. Let's see what we can find. Now, here's what I tell uh, um, classes that I teach. And, and for, for anybody who is serious about um, studying the Bible, it is imperative that we learn to read the text and listen to the text with ancient Jewish eyes and ears. This is an, this is an ancient Jewish document that is loaded with um, terms and phrases and lessons that if we were living 2,000 years ago in Israel... As you heard the story, things will be popping for you. You'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I see that. Oh, I see what he's doing here. And, and here's another deal. <clears throat> there are multiple ways that you, that you can read these stories in text. Okay? You just pick them up and read them. You read the story of the Samaritan woman. There's a ton of things, but just, just doing a cursory reading of it, you can pick out and discuss, make application to your life. But there are, especially in the Gospels, I'm, I'm fascinated with the Gospels. I think they are brilliant documents. But the Gospels in particular are multi-layered. Layers to it. And I want to show you some of that um, today. So, um, John chapter 4, take your Bibles and turn over there. Let me get there. And I want to begin um, by looking at chapter 3. Because before we get to the story of the Samaritan woman, and, and, and I'm assuming that most of us are somewhat familiar with the Samaritan woman story. Yes? Yes? Okay. <clears throat> Make sure you're out there. John the Baptist talking in chapter 3 and verse 27. He says this. A person can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. You might want to underline that. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. Now, this is um, um, John speaking in between the story of Nicodemus in chapter 3 and then the story of the Samaritan woman in chapter 4. It's kind of an interlude between these two stories. And he has John the Baptist um, when, when John said, look, I'm not the Messiah. 
When the bridegroom shows up, that's when you pay attention. Because when the bridegroom shows up, that's when he's going to really make a difference in this world. Alright? So then we come to the Samaritan woman. Now, we don't have time to deal with the entire story. So we're going to pick out bits and pieces of this, and then I'm going to ask for your comments on it. So as we read, be thinking about what stands out to you, what questions you have, and we'll proceed from there. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Okay? Now again, ancient Jewish minds are going to go, ah, I got you. I see where you're going with this. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it is about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. By the way, John, in in, in some of the newer um, translations, and they put these in parentheses, John has a lot of these what we call parenthetical statements. He'll, He'll describe, he'll explain to his readers what's going on. So he told them the disciples went into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew... And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans, or literally they did not eat the food of Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I just want to stop right there. Um, let, let Let me pause. Comments, questions on... What you've heard so far, what what stands out to you? And I'm going to step down out of these lights for a little bit. What what is it that um, what is it that stands out to you so far in this particular text? Correct. Correct. Now, and, and as a quick little historical lesson, the Samaritans were uh, viewed as basically dogs and pigs by the Jews because they were viewed as a mongrel race or a half-breed. See, when, when, when um, Israel had to split between the northern and the southern kingdoms, Assyria comes in and captures the northern tribes and um, takes away several of them but leaves a bunch of them. Okay, and, uh, and, and then brings in their own people, the Assyrians and other, and other nations, and these Jews begin to marry and intermarry um, with the Assyrians and, and, and other nations around them. So they're not a purebred people any longer. So they were looked down upon. That's why you get the comment that, that Jews would have no association with the Samaritans because they felt, they felt, the Jews felt like they had um, left the faith they had not remained pure, and um, we don't want to have anything to do with them. Plus, they were having a civil war. Right? You got the north and the south. It, it, it really got ugly for a period of time. And now, look at them. They, they've gone off, and they're not faithful um, to the faith any longer. 
Well, we don't have anything to do with him. So you're, you're, you're right. There is, there, there, there is some um, uh, friction. There is some animosity uh, uh, between the two groups. Okay? Now, the text does say something about Jesus going to Samaria. Did you pick that up? Jesus, what does it say? Jesus had to go through Samaria. Not necessarily. He didn't have to go through. When, when most Jews of this day traveled uh, from south to north, they would go out and around and bypass Samaria so they wouldn't even step foot in it. It took them a whole lot longer to go, but um, they, they, he didn't have to. I think John's telling us something else here about Jesus. Yes. Okay. Since you brought that up, let's talk about it. Jacob's well. What what happens at Jacob's well and what happens at the well in the Old Testament? When the Jews heard this, this is one of those that they, they said, no, and Jesus stops at a well, and Jacob's well. What, what, what does a Jew hear? What do they remember? What do you remember about Old Testament stories of things that took place at the well? Look at um, Genesis chapter 30, Genesis chapter 34. Uh, 24. Genesis chapter 24. Thumb through there. Something's going to take place at the well. When you read it and you discover it, just, just shout it out. It is. It is because water is critically important. They don't have running water. And so the well is is vital. Something's taking place here at this well. What goes on? Yes. Correct. Where's found Rebecca? What was the question that he was to ask? At the well, to find the wife um, for, is it Isaac? What's the question? How will he know which is the woman that is to marry Isaac? The question is, will... Yes, in other words, will you give me a drink while you water the camels? So the question is, will you give me a drink? Think about that for a moment. This is Genesis 24. Is that, is that what I call that? Look at chapter 29. About five chapters removed. For the sake of time, it's going to happen again. Genesis chapter 29. Let me make sure. Um, this time it's Jacob. 
This is where he finds um, Rachel. Ends up marrying Leah. Then he gets Rachel. Where do they meet? At the well. In um, Exodus, where does Moses begin when he when he when he uh, finds his wife? At the well. So what's taking place at the well? It, quite often in the Old Testament, it is the beginning of proposal and wedding. Okay? Now that's what that's what the Jews when 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 they came across this story, they would go, "Oh, wait a minute here. This this sounds like this sounds like Isaac, sounds like Jacob, sounds like Moses." What's the question that Jesus asked the Samaritan woman? Will you Will you give me a drink? And how does she respond to this? Whoa. You're, you're, you're asking me for a drink? Right? Again, now, we hear that and we just go, well, it's, it's, just a, it's just a Jew, the Samaritan. That's part of it. But I guarantee you this woman, when she heard that, went, oh, not only is it Jew, Samaritan, that's wedding language. That's proposal language. Now, see, we don't get this. That's what she heard. That's what Jews would have heard. So she says, well, wait a minute. You're asking me for a drink? Right? Which is, um, which is enough in and of itself. But then you add to this particular fact that I'm a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jew. That's very shocking. It's very shocking. Okay? So that's part of the, the story of the, of the Samaritan woman. Now, when I was growing up and, and hearing this story and teaching this story, it was a Samaritan woman coming out um, to the well at noon. Right? In other words, by herself. But why did she come out by herself? What, what have you heard? What, what, what have we always said about that? Why is she coming out at noon by herself? Could be disgraced because most women would come and get water when? Early morning, end of the day. Now, she's coming out at noon. Okay? Um, and, 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 and those that could be the case. Um, but, I think what you also have going on is a contrast between the Samaritan woman coming at what... And by the way, what is noon? It's when the sun in the highest, it's the brightest... When did Nicodemus, the religious leader, come to Jesus? The dark, the religious. He comes to Jesus in the dark. See, there's, there's meaning to this. There's, there's, there's layers to this. The Samaritan woman comes at the brightest time to be with Jesus. The uh, Nicodemus, the darkest. He's like the cockroach. He's, he's running around at night. He doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want other people to, to know that he came to Jesus to have this conversation. Not the Samaritan woman. Out in broad daylight. Okay? Um, so those are all layers within the text that is communicating. See? There's the story, and then there's always the story behind the story, and then there's the story underneath that story, and it communicates on multiple levels. Well, I say you can read this story and you can pick out all kinds of things. You can take it a little bit deeper. 
and um, it, and it really uh, becomes to, starts to come alive. Comments, questions, anything that that, that that you've seen so far, or that you want to add to this? Right now, why did why did why do we have John the Baptist in chapter three, right before this story, say, "When the bridegroom comes"? Now we're into the Samaritan woman at the well asking for a drink of water. Boom. Kind of, kind of cements that idea. Yeah, that's why I started in chapter 3. Um, okay. Let's get back to John. So they talk about living water. Um, verse 15. He, he piques her interest. Give me some of this water so I don't have to keep coming back here. And Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. Okay. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Um... Now, let's read verse 9. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Um, anybody ever wrestled? You ever, you ever read that before and said, now, why did she answer that way? We're talking about husbands. Jesus tells her her life, and she wants to talk about where is the proper place to worship. Anybody else ever said, that just made no sense? Anybody know why? Anybody have an idea what what she's doing here? Why she answered that, that direction? She could be trying to change the subject. I don't want to deal with the, with the, uh, in, in other words, the pain involved with this. I don't want to deal with myself. Those are all, I think those, those are all adequate um, interpretations of the text because that's life. That's us. We don't, we don't look forward to dealing with ourselves, dealing with our own mess. Um, getting to a point in life, I, I love this statement, getting to a point in life where you get yourself off your own hands. Because if not, then all we're ever doing is we're just dealing with our own issues and our struggles and our problems. Well, if that's the case, then I never have the space to love and care and minister to others. I'm always dealing with myself. And so, although it's painful, it is one of the healthiest things that we can do is learn how to be honest and deal with our own life. So, I think that's a very adequate um, um, idea there. Anything else? What are you hearing her say here? Yeah, it probably shocked her, right? This is this guy is more than average here. He just told me, so how do I respond to that? Yeah, could be. Yes. Very well, could be. 
Why did, why does, by the way, let's do a little historical. Uh, what, why does she call on the, the mountain as a place to worship? Again, Samaria, the northern tribes, they got, they're, they're no longer in Jerusalem. The, the southern Jews, they have the temple. So they worship in the temple, which is what Jews say, this is the place of God. Well, Samaria up north is out of the temple. What did they do? They designated the mountain as the place of God. And you worship at the mountain, which is um, part of Jewish history that God, you see, God has always been, as you read through the Bible, God has always been in the high places. And God, the, the presence of God was up on the mountain for a long time as they were wandering on, on their way to, to Canaan, right? And so God was on the mountain. Well, when, when the Samaritans lost the temple, they created the mountain again for the presence of God. So they're saying, you know what? It's not the temple. God's with us on the mountain. So that's the, that's the historical reference, but it still doesn't make the connection between why when he confronted her in her personal life, she went religious. Where's this voice coming from? Okay, back here in the... I see nothing but a shadow back there. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. Let's throw out one other possibility. Turn over to Second Kings seventeen. Make sure I got that right. Second Kings 17, starting in verse 24. Thumb through there. Kind of skim through that. It is a description of when Assyria comes and takes the northern kingdom captive. How many nations came and took them away and also came and lived in the land? Count them. Did somebody say five? Bingo, you got it. Five. If, if, if you look a little bit closer, what the Assyrian king did was, he said, okay, now I've got these people that they don't know what they're doing. They're living in the land. We've hauled off some. Um, they're going to lose their religion. And so he assigned a, um, a priest 
to teach the people living there in Samaria, but he was doing a horrible job, and they were worshiping idols. Go call your husband. I don't have one. You're right. You've had five. The one that you're with right now, you're just living with. Probably a reference to what happened to them when they were when they were taken captive. Now it began to make sense to me why she then argues religiously. She got it. Ancient Jewish minds get it. It's it's brilliant literature, by the way. It's brilliant storytelling. It's brilliant on Jesus' part. It's brilliant all the way around. Because not only are, are we right, and, and, and because, again, we're, we're, we're contemporary Americans and we read it, and we understand that Jesus came to help us clean up our mess and we need to deal with ourselves, and that is, that is true. But the ancient Jewish mind would hear, oh, yeah, five nations came in living here. And the one that, is, that, that was here to teach us was a mess, and we started worshiping idols. Oh, then she said, oh, well, you guys say you were supposed to worship over there, but we, we know we're, what, what we're doing is right. We're, we're God's people. We worship on this mountain. See, to me, that's really the only way that that conversation, um, as, it, as it proceeds through here, makes sense. He's not necessarily talking about, he's, he's not only talking about her own personal life. He's talking about the history of Samaria. So she wants to argue this. Um, so again, those are the things that, as you read through the text, that are kind of hidden from us, that we have to do our homework, we have to do our research, we have to dig deeper, because when we hear things like Jacob's well and and, and, and the, 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 the five husbands, it doesn't, we don't go, oh, yeah, I see what he's doing. We gotta work. We gotta work. And what happens is, as we continue to learn and to grow and to research and to, and to see these things, it makes the texts, the texts, plural, really come alive. Um, so, we, we have so far with the Samaritan woman, um, at the well, it looks like a, a marriage proposal, a, a marriage ceremony. John has already talked about the bridegroom. Um, he talks about their history and the five husbands that they've had, the five nations. And so they continue this conversation. Um, how are we doing on time? The woman says, verse 25, I know that Messiah, which is Christ, he's coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I love that phrase. Would it not? How many days do you say, Jesus, if you would just come back and explain everything to us? I got so many questions. The older I get, the more questions I have. It seems like now I have more questions than answers. I love her honesty. He'll explain it. Jesus declared, I, the one who uh, speaking to you, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, that doesn't come across in English as it should. He said to her, ego a me, which is, I am. 
And by the way, in John, there are, I think, seven statements of Jesus saying, I am, ego eimi, in Greek. What, what, is, what is I am? When the Jew heard that, what did they hear? Who originally said that? To, God said it to Moses at the burning bush. Who, who, who will I say that, that you are? I am that I am. Okay? Jesus here, all he has to say in the text is, Ego a me. And the Jew goes, Oh, you are saying you're God, or you're comparing yourself to God, or you're putting yourself in the place of God. And so when he says to her, Ego a me, poof, she gets it. She got it. Um, and so now, the, the, the disciples, I love the, I love the disciples in the Gospels. Can, can I just be frank with you? They're clueless. Most of the time, they are clueless. Which is a, there's a fascinating study. When did the disciples and the early followers of Jesus come to believe that He actually was Messiah, Son of God? You ever thought about this? Read through the Gospels. Read through the Gospels. It was not the crucifixion. It wasn't even the resurrection. Now, don't throw rocks at me. Don't, don't try to stone me right now. What did the disciples do after Jesus came forth from the grave? Where'd they go? Hiding behind locked doors, looking at each other going, ready to go fishing again? Okay, let's go. I guess we'll go fishing. It's at the ascension. It's at the ascension which is a fascinating study. We don't have time for that. But, so here come the disciples. They see Jesus. By the way, when they walk, when they walk up and see Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, you tell me, having, knowing now what you know, what do you think their initial response is going to be? Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Thank you. Let me give you the response. <gasps> Jesus, let's, let's go get something to eat. Let's, let's go get something to eat. Come on. Hey, Jesus, come on over here. Come on over here. What, what are you doing? Right. Hey, let's get something to eat. Jesus said, I, I'm, I'm not hungry. Could, could somebody have, did somebody run through McDonald's drive through get him something to eat? Is that, is that why you're not hungry, Jesus? No. I have food that you know nothing about. In other words, what he's saying there is, this encounter is enough nourishment for me. What I'm about. It feeds my soul. It's what I came for. Okay? So, she goes back, uh, verse 39, many of the Samaritans, um, hang on. Oh, back to verse 28. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could, could this be the Messiah? Is it possible that this is the Messiah? Now, let me ask you this. Why is this? This is a radical step forward for her. A Samaritan who has met a Jew at the well for her to say, could, could that be the Messiah? Think about it. She's going to be looking for Messiah to come out of what particular area? Samaria. A Samaritan who worships on the mountain. 
Okay? Could, could, could this one be? Possible that that one could be? Um, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Then you have the disciples. Um, <clears throat> Verse 39, then many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? The woman's testimony. Now, let's give a, let, let's give a Jewish reaction to that statement. Okay? You ready for another one? <gasps> a woman's testimony? You can't, you can't make claims on a woman's testimony. It has to be the testimony of a man. Or more than one. This is shocking that the Samaritans are going to come to believe in Jesus Christ as a Messiah from the testimony of a woman. Thank you, Gospel writers, for giving importance and value to women in a culture and a society that did not. It's one of the... Um, it's, it's one of the hidden messages of the ministry of Jesus in that he began immediately to elevate the, the, the status of women. We just don't talk much about it. We haven't spent enough time looking in, into that uh, particular idea. But on the testimony of a woman, <clears throat> um, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. That also sounds familiar to the stories that we looked at at the well in Genesis 24 and 29. After you feed the animals, get a drink, feed the animals, come stay with us. Matter of fact, they're urged them both, stay with us longer. Don't, you don't have to go back right now. Stay with us longer. What do we got going on here, Samaritans? Stay with us. You don't have to leave. You don't have to go back. <clears throat> you stay two days. And because... Of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Okay, now, let's see if we can pull this all together. John describes Jesus as the bridegroom. We then is introduced to the Samaritan woman coming to the well at noon. In, in broad daylight. Um, Jesus sitting at the well, ask her for a drink. They have this discussion. Um, he calls out their history of, of having five husbands, and the one that she's living with now is not her husband. They, um, she, she comes to believe, he says, I am. She comes to believe that he's the Messiah, and, and in other words, to convert the entire community there. Stay with us a couple more days. What's, what's John trying to tell us here? What's the message? If it's all marriage and proposal and, and now you've got Jesus and the Samaritan and Jesus is the bridegroom, what, what, what's, the, what's the message? Your turn. What's John telling us? What's the message? Yes. Correct. They are. Correct? God wants a relationship? Speak of it in terms of marriage and wedding. 
correct? Jesus does what with the Samaritans? Right. Jesus is the bridegroom and He marries the Samaritans. Since under God, through Jesus, the Samaritans become part of the community of faith. Stop with your with your bias. Stop with your hatred. Um, stop with your um, attitude of we are greater than this group of people. Jesus came to reconcile all people, all races, all all different groups, all ethnicities. But the most powerful way to show it is presenting Jesus as the bridegroom marrying the Samaritans, bringing them into the fold. Shocking. It's shocking. That's the message. That's what I think he's trying to communicate to us through the story. You can read it on one level, read through it. There's all kinds of things that you can take from it. All all types of interpretive processes. Man, when you start looking at it through ancient Jewish eyes, it comes alive. So what do I do with this story? What 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 does it say to me? What am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to do with this? And I think that's a, that can go many directions. Matter of fact, let me ask you: What are we what are we to do with this story? Then, what what are the applications? More unified as a body. I agree. Right. Absolutely. Room for everybody. If Jesus is willing to go to Samaria and have this encounter, and if, if the interpretation is right that Jesus, the bridegroom, marries Samaria, brings them into the fold, who am I to look at others and cast a downward eye? You know... I grew up in Louisiana, and I, and I played athletics all my life, and I was with different groups, races, ethnicities. I really never have understood why somebody who has a different color pigmentation in their skin is less than somebody else. I've never understood that. What, what, what in the world is it about humanity and humans? that look down on other people because of color of skin or color of hair or where they live on on this planet or what side of the railroad tracks they live on or where they go to school or... Have you ever wrestled with that? Why do we do that? And I think Jesus confronts that head on, saying to us, would you, as believers in Jesus... Love people like I do. Would would we be, could we be in the process of reconciliation with one another and loving one another and caring for one another instead of tearing apart? 
That, I think, is the message of the Samaritan woman. And we're out of time. Thank you for your attention this morning.